Karen. And so um, what the title is, and we've kind of played around with it. We've gone round and round and round about me and Darren trying to figure out a decent title. And so we came back to a simple one, which is just relationships. And so, but the tagline of it is the good, the bad, the ugly. How many of you ever had some good relationships? Anybody have some good relationships? Nobody? Have you had some bad relationships? Have you had some ugly relationships? Yeah. Well, I'm going to show you biblically. Uh, how many, just curious. How many of you have seen the movie, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly? More hands go up on that one. And uh, so that's actually why we went with this title. Why? Because I believe you might remember this title more. And, uh, you know, but really, uh, over the next um, few weeks, we're going to be looking at three types of characteristics of people uh, and how we interact with them. Now, this can go into... Uh, whether it be a family dynamic, a work dynamic, a fr- just a, a, a friend relationship kind of deal. But um, let me just say this up front, though. There aren't good people, bad people, and ugly people. Good people can be ugly at times. Good pe- and bad people can just, you know, not be, they can be, can be sweet. Because if they were ugly all the time, you'd just write them off and just be like, I'm never talking to that person again. And, uh, but... Uh, you know, so I'm going to share just a few things with you here this morning and kind of we're going to get started in it. And, uh, and I'm going to give you the biblical, I'll just go ahead and tell you. Biblically speaking, there's three categories. There are wise people, there are foolish people, and there are evil people. So wise people, foolish people, and evil people. Now, nobody's wise all the time. Nobody's foolish all the time and nobody's evil all the time. And, and so we're going to look at some things into how this plays out, but also how we need to interact with these people. Because whether you realize it or not, the qualities of your relationships are your quality of life. The quality of your relationships is the quality of your life. So, I mean, you can just be happy and whole with you and Jesus, but you're still going to have some interaction with people. You know, I mean, life would be easy if it weren't for people, right? How many of you say your job would be easier if you didn't have to deal with certain people? Yes. How many of you know that family reunion would be a lot less stressful if certain people weren't there, right? You know, but there's some things. And so there's really, as we go through this, I really want you to look at this in two ways. There's two sides to this. Number one is how does this apply to me? And the other one, the other, so, you know, if there are areas of your life that maybe you're foolish in, maybe you're wise in, maybe there is even some evil sides to it. And I'll explain what I mean by that. It doesn't mean that you're evil. Uh, but there are some things that you can be really uh, influenced from an evil perspective that will produce evil results in your life. And so, uh, but, so, so that's one aspect. But the other one is obviously in interaction. You know, one of the... Uh, one of the possible titles that I had played around with was human interactions because we all interact with people. You know, this year, statistically, depending on your personality type, you will engage with somewhere between 500 and approximately 2,500 people this year. So you will have five, you know, if you're really introverted, you're still going to talk to about 500 people this year, no matter how introverted you are. I mean, you think about it. There's 365 days if you talk to one person a day. So, you know, but really it's 
in the course of a year, you'll interact with about 500 different people on the minimal side. Now, for all of you extroverts, people, people, just love, y'all going to talk to like 2,500, and if you're like a door greeter somewhere, you might interact with like 5,000, but you're like a superstar, you know, kind of thing. But work, uh, but interaction is impossible to avoid. If you work, if you go to Walmart, if you just go through your life, you're going to have opportunities to what? To deal with people. And so it's important that, that we understand why I'm this, because why? Your relationships really equal the quality of life that you have. They really do. And we have to properly understand who we should give access to and who we shouldn't. Because the Bible's, uh, and we'll look at these things over the next few weeks, but um, well, before I get into this, let me just, I'll give you a couple of, of examples. I, I, I remember this statement that I've heard is that, and, and I believe this to be true, is that when God wants to bless you, He'll bring a person into your life. When God wants to bless you, he'll bring a person into your life. Now, there's another aspect to this. When God wants to bless you, sometimes he will remove a person from your life too. You're like, well, why do you say that? Well, an easy example of this comes in the very beginning with Adam and Eve. What did God say? It's not good for Adam to be alone. Therefore, I'm going to make him a spouse, a wife to what? To come alongside. And God said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. Eve's on the scene. It's good. It's good. Why? Because God wanted to bless Adam He'd given him all of creation and still said, Adam, you're missing a blessing that you need. So God, as to bless him, brought him a mate, brought him a companion. And so, uh, you know, even in the, in, and this is one of the areas that I would encourage you is that you have to honestly evaluate all relationships. Because not all relationships have equal value. They don't. Some relationships are more valuable. It doesn't mean that the people aren't valuable. I mean, Jesus being a master of, of, of really engaging with people had 12 people close. You can't have 50 best friends. It's impossible. I used to, it used to drive me crazy when I'd have teenagers in my youth group and they'd be like, I've got, you know, this is my best friend. And this is my, I'm like, you've introduced me to 10 best friends this week. That's impossible. You can't be that close to that many people. I mean, even inside of the 12, Jesus had three that were closer. Were the three any better than the 12? Were the 12 better than the 70? Were the 70 better than the 500? Were the 500 better than the multitudes? No, but what was different? Their access to Jesus. So even as we're dealing with people, you have to qualify how close people get. Because some people have no business being close to you. Doesn't mean that you don't love them. Doesn't mean you don't pray for them. We're going to talk about these things. But it's, I'm not going to let you get that close to me. Why? Because maybe you're a fool. I, maybe they're foolish. Let me say it that way. Well, foolish people will still hurt you. They won't intend to, but they will. An evil person intends to hurt you. That's the difference between an evil person and a foolish person. A foolish person is like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that that was going to hurt you. Well, it doesn't matter for you because you're still hurt, right? Or the fallout or whatever it may be. And so... So you have that example, but here's the other side of that statement is that when the enemy wants to hurt you, he'll bring a person into your life. It's where man, God drops something in our heart and we're real passionate about it. And we're like, man, I'm going to do what God has me to do. And what happens? Somebody shows up and distracts you. And a few weeks, a few months down the road, you've totally forgotten about that thing that God stirred in your heart to begin to do. Why? Because the enemy sent somebody with an assignment to get you off course. To get you to back off of those things that God had for you. 
Now, the scriptural example of this is, comes out of 1 Corinthians 15, 33. And, and many of you know this verse, but it says, Bad company will corrupt good morals. Let me say it this way. Bad company will corrupt godly character. My dad used to tell me this growing up all the time. He would tell me just about picking friends. He'd say, David, if you run with the dogs, you're going to get fleas. And he's like, I know what you're doing by the people you're with. I don't have to know what you're doing. And and so, you know, and so that was just kind of how they, they quoted that verse to me all the time. Choose your friends wisely. Why? Because you become the people that you're around. If you're around people who compromise, guess what? You will become a compromising person. It's just a matter of of fact. Why? Because bad company corrupts good character. And so, you know, now let me just say this up front. Is that we don't fight against people. We're not at war with people. People need to get redeemed. Right? We all need to be redeemed. And so, you know, this comes out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. We've looked at these verses. We're not going to read them this morning. But the Bible talks about putting on the whole armor of God. Last summer, we spent all summer talking about that. About the armor of God. And yet he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, powers. There's demonic forces, spirit unseen realm that is at work. People are influenced much more than we realize. If you don't believe me, go turn on the radio and watch how your mood swings with the songs that play. Why? You're being influenced. Well, there's more to music than just a tune. And so even in that, if you don't believe me, get in a bad mood and then go listen to some really like, like I'd say it this way. For me, if I get in a moment where like, you know, just maybe a lot of negative things are going on in my brain, if I'll go turn on some praise music, it's amazing how fast that'll change. Why? Because it's a different influence. And we are much more influenced than we realize many times. And, and because here's the thing, and it's exactly what I said, is that when God wants to bless you, he brings a person. When the enemy wants to harm you, he brings a person. Well, the, the Bible's clear is that the, we have an enemy. Well, he's not going to show up in a pitchfork and a robe. Hey, I'm here. He's going to show up through a person. And we have to be discerning. We have to have some, some, some really understanding about that. Look, I'm not fighting against this person. But the enemy may use that person if they're willing. Right? Well, I mean, okay, let me give you another example of this. Where I said that God wants to bless you by bringing a person into your life. Luke 6.38 says this. Give and it shall be given unto you. Now, in context, he's not talking about money. He's actually talking about forgiveness. But he says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, running over, shall men give unto you. Give and it will be given. But it's going to come through who? Other people. Even in the area of our finances. I've never had a check or money appear in my mailbox that said, from heaven. People have blessed me at times. And it, it was somebody, I knew who they were. And never just mysteriously like, oh my gosh, provision. It, God always used a person. I felt like the Lord told me to do this. I, you know, I, I had this in my heart. So whatever it may be, it's always come through somebody. God's, God chooses to use us. Well, so does the enemy. And here's the thing. I love you. I believe the best in you. But if you're foolish and even maybe even... Evil, the enemy will use you too. And you can be saved, loving Jesus, and unaware. 
and you can fall into this evil category. And so let me uh, kind of before we get started, let me give you three ways that you can view people. Now, this is just kind of the way you approach everybody. And so this is just good to know. And uh, some of these things I'll tell you in a minute. Well, I'll go ahead and tell you. There's a book called Necessary Endings by a guy named Dr. Henry Cloud that I read a number, number of years ago. And he's actually the one where I got the, uh, the concept, if you will, of the wise, the foolish, and the evil. He's a Christian psychologist guy. And so, but he talks about that there are times in your life where there's relationships that need to end. It's like God brings you a new job. Well, guess what? That means you have to leave a job. Well, that's a necessary. You can't have two jobs at once, right? Not two full-time jobs. I mean, so you may have to leave one job to go get a new job or to take that new position, even though it's a blessing. Well, most people hate change. Most people hate confrontation of any kind. I don't just love it. But I've also learned that sometimes confrontation is necessary so that we can move forward. You know, and so whether that's in my relationship with Dara, whether that's, you know, being an employee, whether that's being an employer or whatever, however you want to look at it, you got to deal with some stuff sometimes. And it's hard. I mean, it's just as challenging. Relationships are difficult. And so, but here's three ways to, that you approach or that you view people. Number one is to be naive. Now, this one's not a good one. You just believe the best of everybody. You just all, you know, like my dad, we always make a joke that my dad just, and it's a, it's a really good quality. My dad really believes the best in every person. And he's like, you know, they can do the dumbest thing. He's like, oh, they'll get it figured out, you know. And we're like, you know, but how many times do I have to get knocked in the head before I say, I'm not going to stand so close to you anymore? Like, I mean, just, hey, I love you. You love me. But in being naive is this. It's just being a little too trusting. You're too quick to trust too much. You may end up getting hurt in the end. You know, there's an old fable story, if you want to call it that, but a little girl uh, comes upon a a snake in a field, and and the snake, you know, of course it's a fable, so it's not real, but the snake says, hey, let's play. Now, I'm not going to get it exactly right. I couldn't find the full story, but the gist of it is still the same. And she's like, oh, no, I'm not going to play with you. You're a snake. You'll bite me. He's like, oh, no, I just want to have some fun. And so the dialogue goes back and forth. And so finally the girl starts playing with the snake. And after a little while, he bites her. And she's like, you said you wouldn't bite me. I trusted you. And he says, I'm a snake. It's what I do. See, that's being naive. I mean, I hold to the theory that a good snake is a dead snake. You know, I mean, that solves the question for me. Like... Is he alive or dead? I'll tell you if he's good or bad. You know, it's pretty simple. And yet sometimes in relationships, we can trust too quickly with people. Even if the Lord has prompted us not to. This is where we have to learn to hear from God, to be discerning in our heart, to know, is this worth investing in? Do I need to back up or do I need to run away? That's really the three different ways you handle these people. Wise people, you lean into and listen. Foolish people, you back up a little bit. Evil people, you run from. And and so, you know, we have to be willing. And so, you know, so we have to be, we don't want to be naive. But the other polar opposite of this is to be paranoid. I don't trust nobody. Stay away from me. I've got keep out, no trespassing posted. I got bullets and, you know, we'll... We'll shoot before I ask questions. I'm paranoid. The end of the world's coming. I don't trust nobody. Just stay away from me. I know none of you are like that. 
One time I heard this uh, saying, and I thought it was pretty funny. They had a sign, because of the rising cost of bullets, will not fire a warning shot, <laughs> you know, was posted at the gate, uh, you know. And uh, there are, I mean, look, and, and here's the thing, though. Because you get relationally bitten, you can become paranoid. I will never trust again. I will never let somebody come close to me. I will never trust whatever it may be. That boss hurt me. They threw me under the bus, and I'm never going to be willing to trust again. Well, you've closed your heart to them. And it's not just to them. It's to, it affects every relationship. And so we don't want to be naive, but we also don't want to be paranoid. What we want to be is discerning. You know, and really discerning is what? Well, let me give you some definitions. It means to test, to examine, to prove, or to scrutinize. To see whether a thing or someone is genuine. That's what discern means. Now I know that people will say, well, I've got a gift of discernment. That's not scriptural, first of all. We have discernment. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is discerning. It's not a, I mean, well, I guess technically you could say he is a gift, but it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's, you don't have some special gift. There's a, a discerning of spirits that the Bible talks about. That's a whole different thing. You put food in your mouth. You make a, you discern whether it's good or bad. I mean, it's not hard. Every time you meet somebody, are they trustworthy? Are they a friend? Are they a foe? Or do I, you know, is it that fight or flight mentality? In a moment, you make that decision. Unconsciously, you make it in split second. Are you trustworthy? And, and we all do this. I mean, it's automatic in our brain. Are you going to hurt me? Are you trustworthy? And so we need to understand, even in this, that every relationship we have is either adding or subtracting from our life. There are no neutral relationships, or very few, I'll say it that way. Very few. Relationships are either adding good things and blessings to your life, or they are taking from your life. They are robbing you. Have you ever been around people that are just draining like when they, when they call you, you're just like, I just don't have the energy for them right now. Amen. I'm not saying that you can tell them the same thing a thousand times and they're not going to do it. So here's the question. Is a fool worth my time to invest in? Why? And, and I'm not giving up on people, but I'm not savior. You're not savior. And so we have to qualify people. In our life. Why? Because it matters. Our relationships matter. So we have to be discerning about the company that we keep. And especially those that we let close. We walk in love with everybody. But we don't trust everybody equally. Now let me just make a statement. And we're going to move on here. But, and, and, but it's important that you understand this. Jesus was not betrayed by the multitudes. You cannot be betrayed by somebody far away from you. You can only be betrayed by somebody close. It, it's, so, tells him, last supper, right? Judas, go ahead. Go do what you got to do, man. But that was also in accordance to the word of God to bring about what God had said, what God had predetermined was going to happen. That fulfilled prophetic. So, you're like, well, G even Jesus had a Judas. Well, Sure. But you shouldn't let Judas hang around your camp either. There was a purpose that Jesus had Judas. 
There's not a purpose for us having a Judas. Jesus was betrayed so that we wouldn't have to be. But we have to, so you have to be careful because here's what I know. And and look, and I tell you this as somebody who loves people, that believes in people, that invests my life into people, is that sometimes my good heart will betray me. Because I believe in people and I'm like, I can help and I can make a difference. No, I can't. Only Jesus can. I'm not Savior. And it doesn't matter. I can help. I've had the Lord tell me, you get away from this friendship. Very difficult for me because I'm a very loyal person. I mean, if I'm your friend, I'm your friend for life. I don't bail on people. I don't back out. I just, that's just who, it's just the way I'm wired. And yet I've had the Lord, I mean, and I've shared this before. I'll just say it quickly. I had the Lord specifically through a prophetic word, which was actually just confirming what was in my heart. So somebody gives you a prophetic word, you ought to already know it in your heart. It shouldn't be new information. It just... But somebody came in and he called me out of a crowd and said, hey, would you stand up? And he said, tell these friends to go down another road while you have a fighting chance to do what God has called you to do. I was 18 years old. That was 20 years ago. Now, I had been wrestling with that decision for over nine months. But I had a choice. Was I going to choose my friends or my destiny? Because the choice was mine. The destiny God had, but he said, these friends are going to keep you from getting there. There were two friends, my two closest friends. But I had a decision to make. Did I want to hang out with fools and be a fool and miss out on my destiny? Or did I want to put myself in position with wise people that one decision that I stand here today? Now, there's been lots of decisions since then. But if I missed that one, doesn't mean that God wouldn't redeem it. Doesn't mean that God couldn't have helped me. But I knew in my heart that God said, and there, look, these weren't bad guys per se. But their influence in my life was not going to help me get to where God wanted me to go. So biblically speaking, there's three types of people. You see this throughout Scripture, but we're going to look a lot in the book of Proverbs. Why? Because Proverbs is the book of wisdom. Proverbs gives you a lot of insight on how to live successfully in earth. It really does. It's the book of wisdom. So, man, there's just quotes after quotes after quotes. But throughout scriptures, man, the Bible talks about it. And many times it contrasts the wise and the foolish. It doesn't talk so much about the evil, but yet it does talk about the evil. But many times it will say the wise do this and the foolish do this. The wise do this, the foolish do this. The, the fool does this, but the wise will do this. I mean, especially in Proverbs. I mean, it's just, if you want to be wise, do this. If you want to be foolish, do this, you know. And so, you know, and so... But here's one of the things, and this is one of the main points I want you to catch, is that, and this ties in with what we were sharing at the beginning of the year, is that wise people live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wise people live by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me say it this way, is that the Holy Spirit is the source of their life. The Holy Spirit is the source, the beginning, really the, 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 um, the motivation behind their life. Foolish people live by the power of the flesh. Wise people live by the power of the Spirit. Foolish people just live by the power of their flesh. Just whatever whim and desire, that's what, you know, whatever sounds good right now. I don't know if you've ever had people like this or a friend like this that you were there, you know, y'all were supposed to hang out, and, but you always knew in the back of your mind, we're going to hang out until they get a better option. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like, oh, hey, I got to go over here and I got to go do this. Why? Well, and then you get disappointed because you're like, man, we were supposed to hang out. And now I don't have plans, but... I was just your trusted a plan, apparently. 
you know, and so anyhow, but that's the flesh, though. A better option came, they went with it. Evil people live out of, the, out of the power of the demonic. Let me say it this way. The source is the demonic. It's the work of Satan in, the, in their life. Now, they may not realize it. And again, it doesn't make them evil. We're not talking about wise people, foolish people. What we're talking about is the way that they approach things. And again, I'll say this again, and please hear this. Just because you're wise in one area does not mean you are wise in everything. As a matter of fact, all of us at varying levels are wise in some areas. We're probably foolish in some areas. And we might have a few areas that there is evil influence. And we'll look at that one more in depth later, but I don't really have the time. But, well, let me, let me give you this, uh, just because I, I don't want to leave that hanging out there and people kind of wonder what I mean. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says this. He says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Don't be foolish, but live like wise people. So I talked about how evil people live out of the power of the demonic. Let me give you an example because I know that's like a heavy statement. And you're like, that's weird. I don't know what he means by that. I'm definitely not coming to that message. (laughs) Which week is that? Evil people many times are nothing more than hurting people. And so out of their hurt, they wound. Have you ever heard the statement that is this, which is uh, hurting people hurt people, right? Hurt people will hurt people. Someone who is hurt, who has an unredeemed wound, will hurt you. It's like the snake who says, you bit me. I'm a snake. It's what I do. I'm a hurting person. There's another statement. Misery loves company right hurting people will hurt you and if you put yourself in proximity to them when they detonate you will be in the fallout zone not necessarily in a like premeditated like i'm gonna harm you but they want some company they want misery to spread around And they will infect as many people as possible, maybe not even aware that they're being used by the devil to bring about torment and pain in other people's life. So that's what I mean. So if you get somebody who is hurt, wounded, you know, I'll say this, few people are just all out evil. But there are people who do evil things. And evil still hurts. Now, here's the good news. God will heal. He will. God will heal you. He promises that he will heal you. But what if we could be discerning and avoid the pain to begin with? They're not trustworthy. I mean, I had it. I mean, you've all met people where, you know, you're like, I don't know who this is. And they are not trustworthy. I mean, I remember one time I was in downtown Shreveport. We had done a, a, um, a, a thing with our young adults from our church there. And so it was kind of getting late, dark, and there was a storm rolling in. And there was this gentleman who had walked. We had two, you know, young adults. They were two 20-something-year-old girls getting into a car. Well, this gentleman walks up to them. Now, this area was known as a pretty high-crime area. Uh, It was kind of an outreach center we had gone to, but also heavy drug use, all these types of things. Well, this man has kind of wedged himself between the door so they couldn't close the door to leave. Well, I see this just from a distance. I happened to catch it. So I walked down there, and I was like, hey, man, come here. Let me talk to you. And I'm like, hey, y'all go ahead and go. Because I'm like, you know, if he's going to hurt somebody, I'd rather be me than them. But I could tell from a distance, this guy's not trustworthy. Well, I start talking to him. Well, he's starting to get a little agitated. 
And you could tell, I don't know if he was on drugs or what, but not like, you know, he wasn't necessarily being aggressive, but at the same time, he was crowding my space. You know what I'm saying? You want to know what my space is? About right there. You know, and if I really don't trust you, maybe it's my leg, you know. It's like, hey, just stay out of my bubble and we'll be all right. Well, this guy, and I'm trying, like in my mind, I'm trying to figure out how am I going to get out of this situation? Because now it's just me and crazy man standing on the street corner, Right? And I'm thinking, nobody else is around. If he kills me, no one's here to even see it. You know, like, I mean, you know, all these thoughts go through your mind. Well, I've got my, you know, and so I'm talking to this guy trying to get out of the conversation. Because I realize this guy is not trustworthy. I don't, I mean, I don't know what this guy's on. I don't know where he, I don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden I hear a voice behind me. And it says, hey, is everything all right over here? And I somewhat recognize the voice vaguely. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's good. Everything's cool, you know. And I turn around. Well, there was this guy who was a police officer who I actually grew up with. Now, this guy's name is Joel. Joel can qualify as an angel because he's just that big. Like, he's huge. He's a big, huge black man. I mean, like, I mean, I'm six foot tall. He dwarfs me. Not to mention, he's probably like 350 and he's not large. Like, not, he's just swole up. A big man. I'm like, my guardian angel is a black man. Praise the Lord. You know, like, this is awesome. And so he was like, hey, man, storm's coming in. Y'all need to get out of here. And he tells that guy, he's like, hey, man, you need to go on it. Because, I mean, obviously, he's a police officer. And so, you know, but in that moment, I knew. I didn't, nobody had to tell me, hey, this is not a good situation for those girls. Well, I put myself in that situation to get them out. Well, now I'm in a bad situation. And sometimes we put ourselves in bad situations. Because we just, by proximity of people. So you have to be careful. So this morning, I want to share with you a few things about wise people. Because we want to be wise. We want to. And and so now here's, and I told you earlier, is that there's two sides to this. We want to be wise, but we also want to be around wise people. Right? Well, I'm going to help you define who a wise person is. From from Scripture. Now, I'm getting ready to read you quite a few Scriptures, so... Just stick with me. They're going to be up on the screen, but we're going to go through these fairly quick. So what defines a wise person? Proverbs chapter 1, verse The fear of the Lord is the, is the foundation of wisdom. Is really what that says there. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of, will, of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is the result of good judgment. Proverbs 14, 27 says, the fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. Now, this is, and I'm not saying that somebody who isn't a Christian, doesn't believe in God, doesn't have the fear of the Lord, can't be wise in, in an area. But this is what I can tell you. All wisdom originates from one place. There is a God, and He is to be feared. He is to be honored. So, you know, it would be like going to, you know, like maybe you're in a relationship, a romantic relationship. You don't want to go to the friend who's had 50 relationships in the last year and get their advice. Why? Well, because obviously their track record says you don't know how to do this. If you're getting married, you want to go find the couple who's been married for 50 years and say, hey, can I ask some questions? Or, or better yet, can you just tell me what I don't know? 
Because I, I remember one time I was with Pastor Sam, who's my pastor, in Shreveport, and we were talking, and, and I just made the statement. And I said, Pastor, I said, you know, I would love to, you know, I, I was like, you know, and it, it was just, I was trying to figure out how to, out, like, ask certain questions. Because here I am, you know, he's my pastor, I've been doing it a long time, and I, I'm like, man, I, and I was like, Pastor, I don't know the right questions to ask. And he was like, you can ask me anything you want. I was like, Pastor, I don't know the right questions to ask. And sometimes, you know, and so it's like, teach me what I need to know. But so many times pride will get in the way because we don't want to look ignorant. Nobody wants to look ignorant. I mean, I don't care who you are. No one wants to look foolish. And we will do some crazy gameplay to try to cover up our ignorance. A wise person will say, I don't know. Everybody's not wise in every area. But depending on your season of life, you may be further down the road and have now grown kids. Whether they turned out great or not, you have wisdom that younger people need. Why? It's called experience. And experience is a great teacher because you don't forget the lessons, whether good or bad. Now, you may be younger with a younger family and you're trying to figure out some things or you're dealing with a challenge. A wise person would go find somebody further down the road and say, teach me what I need to know. Because I don't know. That's wisdom. But it starts with the fear of the Lord. So you don't want to go to your broke uncle and get financial advice. That's foolish. I mean, your broke uncle is going to give you some advice like this. You're broke. How much money you got? You got 50 bucks? I'll turn your 50 bucks into 500 and we'll pay that bill. You're broke, right? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I can't pay my own bills. Huh, how did you get here? Oh, I went down to the boat and I spent all my money. But you want to take my money down to the boat to pay my bills. That's foolishness, right? So you don't want to listen to somebody who's a fool when you need wisdom. But just because somebody's good in finances doesn't mean they're good at marriage or raising kids or even in your walk with the Lord or whatever it may be. They may be uh, smart in relationships, but they're a terrible employee. That's not the person you need to get advice in when you're like, I'm struggling at work. They're going to be like, just leave early, cut out early, just avoid everything, just slip out a little early at lunch, come back, take a nap. Like, Yeah, they're going to get you fired, okay? They're going to get you fired. And congratulations, you get to go find a new job. Somebody who is wise can give you understanding. So, now let me say, let me read you a couple of verses. Proverbs chapter 9, starting in verse 8, we're going to read through verse 12. But correct the wise and they will love you. Nobody likes correction. Correction in my life has caused the most growth in my life. The Bible says, if I don't love my son, I will not correct him. That's wisdom, right? But it says in verse 9, it says, instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will be even, uh, learn even more. It says, the fear of the Lord is the fountain of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. We already read that. He says in verse 11, wisdom will multiply your days and will add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you become wise, you will benefit. He says, but if you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. So in other words, let me say it this way. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. But if you remain a fool, you will be the one to suffer. And we're going to look at this next week. I'll give you a little snapshot now. 
I'm just going to ruin it for you right now. This is what Proverbs says about a fool. They only learn through pain. That's the sign of a fool. Because only, let me, in biblical language, it says a fool will only learn by a rod to his back. Praise the Lord. That's in your Bible. Don't know if you know that, but that's the way. So a fool will only learn through pain. Now, here's what you have to know is that being a wise person does not necessarily mean IQ. It's not about intelligence or book smarts. I've met a really, you know, you, you know the statement. Book smarts does not mean common sense, right? I've met some really bright people that I'm like, how can you be so dumb? Like, really? It, it never ceases to amaze me. You are so smart and you're so stupid. You know, it's like street smart. You know, I mean, it's just some people don't have it. And it's like, oh, no, you're in trouble. You look very smart. It will make you look smarter than you are. That's why we need wisdom. That's why we need to be wise people. That's why we need to find people who are wise and what? Lean in. I mean, I heard somebody here recently say this, and I thought it was such a good statement. They're like, you have two ears and one mouth. Two ears, one mouth. You ought to listen twice as much as you talk. I mean, when I get around people that I, that I respect and people that I realize are wise, I don't talk. I listen. Why? Because I can't. If I'm talking, I can't learn. Now, I'm a talker, obviously. But there are times, I won't say a word. I'm here to learn. Because for me to talk says what? I have something to say of importance, not you. No, I, I realize I need to shut my mouth because there's some lessons I need to learn. And, and so there are things like this that we need to understand. So let me give you a couple of verses that are along this line. Proverbs 2.12 says that wisdom will save you from evil people. Amen. Wisdom will save you from evil people. It says, from those whose words are twisted, an evil person will twist words to make it sound a certain way, when in fact it's really not. Proverbs chapter 12, starting in verse 15. Proverbs 12, 15. It says, fools think their, way, their own way is right. They're justified. They think, man, I, I'm... It says, but the wise listen to others. It says, a fool is quick-tempered. And a wise person stays calm when insulted. I'm glad they added that word. A wise person, even when they're insulted, will keep their mouth shut. Proverbs 15, 14 says, A wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the fool feeds on trash. Now let me just need to get off of Facebook and read a book. Something new. Right? Like, if you want to better yourself, learn something new. I've shared this many times. There's three ways that you will change in life. Three, three main ways. The places you go, the people you meet, and the books you read. God has brought me opportunities because I disciplined myself to get educated in an area, and then God brought about opportunities in my life. That he would have never been able to bring had I not educated myself. 
And I've shared many times about when we got out of debt, I got educated. I didn't think that I was a good math person because by nature I am, but obviously I stunk at budget. But pride would have said, I know this. Yeah, my pride had gotten me to the point where many people had said, we don't know how you owe this much and you pay this little. We can't help you. That's where my wisdom got me. So I had to be willing to what? Humble myself and say, look, I've obviously, I created a mess here because I was foolish. A fool pushes everything to tomorrow and says, one day, one day, one day. Well, what about today? A wise person says, I'm going to learn today that it will produce in my future. A fool says, why learn today? You're not going to get anything today. You're right, I won't, but it it will pay off. That's a wise person will do that. A a fool is totally different. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 12 through 14. Solomon writes, he says, So I decided to compare wisdom with, uh, with foolishness and madness. For who can do this better than I, the king? And he says in verse 13, he says, I thought wisdom is better than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. I have a toddler at home. He doesn't pick anything up, right? You ever stepped on something in darkness, kicked something in darkness, and what? It produces pain. If the light was on, I wouldn't have stepped on it, right? Why? Because I could have seen he says, the wise can see where they are going, and, but fools walk in the dark. Fools walk in the dark. He says, look, as wise people, don't be a fool. Turn the lights on. Proverbs 19, 20 says this. He says, get all of the advice and instruction that you can, so you will be wise the rest of your life. Get wisdom, get instruction, be a student for lack of a better term. Have a thirst for understanding, wisdom, knowledge. Why? Because that is what guarantees your steps moving forward. Not just relying upon what you know. None of us are wise in and of ourselves. We need to find counselors. The proverb says that there is safety in a multitude of counselors. Wisdom brings about safety. Foolishness can bring about pain. Foolishness will also bring about missed opportunities. Teachable. Offensive. Now this was something that I've had to learn how to do. I'm better than I used to be. I still have to learn, but yet I've learned that I have to receive correction and not become offended by it. Now this is is correction from a wise person. I have... People in my life that speak into my life. And I give them full access to me. But if I become offended by their correction, guess what happens? I have refused the wisdom. I've now set myself, I've opposed the wisdom. Now, but this is what I have to do. I have to ask myself, do they love me? Yes, I know that they do. I have men in my life that speak into my life that they tell me things that I don't want to hear. I remember one time my dad, he's he's one of the people that speaks into my life. Because I I mean, I'm very blessed in this way. I have a good dad. He's not a perfect man, but he has at least shown me what it's like to follow God and to change. My dad's 64 years old and he's still changing. That's my hero. And I mean, 
But I remember one time we were in the truck. He said, David, I know I'm your dad. Now, he, my parents stay out of my, my relationship with my wife. They just praise the Lord. They do. And if they meddled, I would have to tell them, y'all need to back out. So, but we were driving around. And he said, David, I, you know, I understand I'm your dad, but you need to be careful how you talk to Dare. And I was mad. It ticked me off as soon as he said it. It did. Why? Because I knew he was right. I mean, there was no debate. He's like, you need to watch your tone. I'm like, I don't care. Tell her to watch her tone. I'm telling you, I'm driving in the truck, and I'm just thinking like, I, mean, I was ticked for 46 years, whatever it is. I mean, here's wisdom from somebody who's been married for 46 years, whatever it is. We'll be 46 this year, I guess. I've been married like, you know, less than a decade thinking, I, I know this. What's he telling me? And he told me, he said, David, it took me over 30 years to learn that lesson. You'll be a lot better off if you learn it now. That's wisdom speaking. That's wisdom. I didn't like it. But do I believe that my dad wants the best for me? Yes. Do I believe that he wants the best for my marriage? Yes. Do I believe that he wants the best for Dara? Yes, more than he wants it for me. So... That, I, I'm, I've just come to that conclusion. My dad loves Dara more than he loves me. So I just had to learn to be okay with that, right? And so it's just the way it is. But I had to learn how to receive that correction. Pastor Rob Floyd, that we've had here minister. He's one of the guys that he calls me. I've been praying. The Lord, I feel like the Lord dropped this in, in my heart for you. That's not what I want to hear right now. Appreciate it. I'll pray about it. I remember when I was not very, and I remember one day he was like, hey, I want to talk to you about something. And I was like, okay. You know, we talk about stuff all the time. And he, I remember, he, and I mean, I remember it so clearly. He said, David, when you get under pressure, you crack. He said, you, you got to watch how you respond to people when the pressure gets put on. He's like, because that's a character flaw. Man, I didn't like that either. I didn't like it at all. It hurt. But it was wisdom. Because he was saying, what was he saying? There's only more pressure coming. And if you can't deal with this little pressure, you're going to train wreck later. And you're going to hurt a lot of people. Wisdom was telling me, you need to work on this. You need to deal with this. I remember one time in my own life, I'm just telling it myself, but these are all defining moments in my life. There was a guy, uh, it was somebody I grew up with. Their fault. Make excuses for everything. That's what a fool does, by the way. It's never their fault. Oh, there was this. Oh, there. No, I didn't get out of bed in time. Like, let's just be honest. And this guy, who actually was actually my boss at the time, although we were less than a year in age apart, I don't remember what the situation was, but I, I, I spouted off some excuse. And he looked at me just square in the face and was just like, you're the king of excuses, aren't you? He's like, man, you've got an excuse for everything. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And that day I changed. I mean, in that moment, I was like, I made, I didn't say anything out loud to him. I made a decision in that moment. I will no longer give excuses for anything. If I'm late, I'm late. If I didn't do something, it's my fault. I'm going to own it. I'm not going to make excuses. Why? That was wisdom. Why? Because how would you feel about me if I said, hey, let's meet for lunch. And I didn't show up for an hour. All the time. Oh, yeah, I'll call you. And I never call you. Guess what? I'm not a trustworthy pastor. Therefore, you don't trust me. It kind of would make a difference today.
That was over 20 years ago, but that was wisdom in a moment from somebody that I didn't want to hear it from. But I had to be willing to receive pastoral wisdom. Pastor John Welch, um, who's one of my pastoral council guys, he shares he shared this before, and I, I just think it's funny. He's like, there's two ways to learn, mentors and mistakes. I heard somebody else, I read it this way, and I was like, we ought to let somebody else pay our dumb tax. <laughs> let somebody else pay your dumb tax. Sometimes we do things just because we don't know. I mean, we just didn't know any better. It's like, well, that's just, I did the best I knew. And ask somebody. Don't be, don't be too prideful to not ask. Say, look, man, I'm not saying you're a genius, but obviously in this area of your life, you understand more than I do, so let me get some advice. I like this Billy Graham. Anybody not know who Billy Graham is? Probably the greatest evangelist of the last hundred years. He said this in a book. Just a, it was kind of his leadership secrets, if you will. But he said, I turn my critics into coaches. So many times, you know, it, it, no, I mean, does anybody like this? It creates growth. Why? Because I'm confronted with a reality that I don't really want to know about. Here's the difference, though, between a, a critic and a coach. It's not what they say, it's why they say it. A critic may just be saying something just to kind of take a cheap jab at you. Someone who you've really asked to be a coach in your life, they're saying it because they love you, they want the best for you, they want to see God's purposes really come to fullness in your life. See, as a wise person, we should view criticism as a gift from a wise person criticism from a wise person is a gift Pastor Rob my dad Pastor Sam I got these different guys that speak into my life it's a gift when they correct me I don't like it but I know it's going to make me better now there's foolish or there's criticism that can come from a fool but there may be some merit don't just write it off you need to be honest with yourself and say Lord Is there any truth in anything that they said? I know they're a fool, but yet, man, I felt felt a little convicted when they made that statement. Is there any truth in this? You let the Lord sort out the details on it, but don't just write it off. But see, there's also criticism from an evil person. A person with bad intentions. You completely reject that. You don't take it to the Lord. Why? Because their intention is to harm you. I mean, it's like, do I need to go to the Lord and like, Lord, the devil's been talking to me. No, I I don't need to ask the Lord if I should give any thought to that. Why? Because his plans are not good. His desires are not good for me. So, criticism from an evil person, you reject. You put it away. You keep evil people at a distance. You run from them. doesn't mean that you don't love them, but you can love them from a distance. I'm not letting you get close. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 5 says, Better to be criticized by a, a wise person than to be praised by a fool. So many times we want people to pat us on the back, tell us we're doing a great job, but it would be better to be criticized by a wise person than to be congratulated by a fool. Why? Because the criticism from the wise, what? It won't fade away in a moment. Their criticism and the wisdom that they share 
from that will pay dividend time after time after time after time. That applause, that pat on the back is going to last for a, a moment from a fool and it's gone. That's why it's better to receive criticism from the wise. Proverbs 15 uh, verse 31 says, If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. Verse 32 says, If you reject discipline, you will only harm yourself. If you listen to correction, you will grow in understanding. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom, and humility precedes honor. Humility precedes honor. See, for the wise, school is always in session. School's always in session. I mean, one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit is what? He is the teacher. Here's what I found out. If I won't listen to the unction of the Holy Spirit, he'll start talking through other people, namely my wife. Holy Spirit 2.0 right there. School's in session. He is the teacher. But we have to have an attitude that we are willing to learn from anyone. See, what happens is we can qualify who can teach. Well, the problem is you don't know what you don't know. I don't know what I don't know. And there are things that I may not be good in that, they, that God will send me people in some of the most unassuming packages. And the thought could be, you can't teach me nothing. Guess what? You're right. You're right. The moment you have that thought, you're right. The moment that you think that somebody else that knows nothing that you don't, that you already don't know, you're in trouble. You can learn something from anybody. And here's what I found. If you're looking to learn, you will learn. It may be one statement, one nugget. It may be one thought. But it'll be worth it. See, we want to give wise people in our life, wise people, wise relationships. We want to give them more of our time, more of our energy, more of ourselves. Why? Because it will produce wisdom in us. It will. It will produce wisdom in us. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, walk with the wise and you will become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. You want to lean in with wise people. You want to give them your time. You want to give them your energy. You want to ask questions. Don't be embarrassed to ask a question. Look, I don't know about this. See, in the years of of being in the ministry, this is one of kind of one of my frustrations, if you will, is that many times people come to me with their problems, and that's I have no issue with this. Here's here's my issue though. People want me to fix their problems, not understand what got them there. And see if if, if even you know it's, it's that whole hey just pray for me and fix it. You're the man of God. Pray for me. Here's the problem with that. The behavior that got you there, you will repeat. Wisdom doesn't say, hey, I need this fixed. Wisdom says, I want to know how to not get back here again. I'm not embarrassed by my mistake. I'm not embarrassed by my moment, even though it may be embarrassing. And I'll give you, you know, I shared this. I mentioned this earlier. I'll, I'll give you an example of this, what I mean. When the Lord told me to get out of debt, the first person I called, and I felt like the Lord told me to do this, it was the very last thing I ever wanted to do. 
I called my dad. It's probably one of the most humbling things I've ever done in my life. Because for me, that was like failure. Absolute failure to own it. And not just be like, hey, dad, I got a little debt. But dad, this is how much debt I have. I'm not asking for you to help me. I'm not asking for you to do anything. I don't want you to do anything. But I need to be humble in this moment. Because this is the last, I mean, I would have told the whole world before I would have told him. It was the last thing I wanted to do. But what happened in a moment was that pride broke in me. All of a sudden, I became a much more receptive student. And God began to bring wisdom into my life through people, through resources, through different things, different avenues. But it it didn't happen until I had humbled myself. Because that was hard. I mean, many times we don't want to own our shortcomings and the things that we've done. And we don't, I mean, it's just, it's hard. It's difficult. It's not comfortable. And yet, the one person I didn't want to call, of course, the Lord's going to say, call him. I don't want to. But there was a brokenness that came through it. There was wisdom that came through it. The Lord worked. The Lord moved. The Lord helped us. Time after time after time. And it wasn't overnight. It was a three and a half year journey. But the wisdom of that moment is another reason, another little marker of why I'm here today. Because I would have never been here. Because I had to get out of debt so that I could leave the security that I had to step into an unknown situation. Which two years later landed me here. Well, I didn't know that, but I, I couldn't have had all the debt that I had. I had a lot of debt. But I knew the Lord had spoke to me about it. Well, I had to, I had been foolish. Well, I had to become wise. But I had to be honest with myself first of all.